Well, I don't know. If, oh, wait. I don't know how my. There we go. Hey, there's good. There's a lot to celebrate today. Uh, it's Father's Day. Brad Cheshire and I are wearing the same shirt because we're both fathers. I don't know if any of you else got the memo, but we're the only ones on the right page today. Uh, Fathers, you should celebrate Father's Day by continuing to be a decent father. That's That's how we do it. Just keep doing it, and next year, you'll do it again. Uh... So it's Father's Day. We don't really care about Father's Day as much as we do Mother's Day, and that's fine. That's okay. It's just a normal way of, I mean, Mother's Day comes around, and you're, you'd like, we'll say, oh, yeah, Jesus, but mothers, yeah, like, love, mothers are the best, and fathers, yeah, you're crazy, and then we go on. We're going to do that today, too. Uh, I'm thankful for fathers. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Lucas, who's not here with us. Um, is he in KFC or skipping church already? Okay. <laughs> Lucas got baptized uh, last night. Was that last night? Yes. So we're very super. If you see Lucas, Lucas is a bright kid. He's super smart. Um, I really like talking to him just as, an, as a human. You can have a decent conversation with Lucas just as a human. So uh, if you see Lucas, congratulate him. Also, Drew and Laura uh, Curtis are now Drew and Laura Curtis. They got married last night, uh, so give them a round of yes. Todd married them, so it's real official. So we're we're really proud of them. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, it's, it's just always it's always great when you commit to something. When you decide, I am going to be a committed person, whether it's being a father or whether it's being a Christian, or whether it's being married, a husband, a wife, being a committed person is, is just such, such a greater uh, choice than being uncommitted, than not, not being faithful, than not being uh, a, a, a strong supporting presence in someone else's life. And as we uh, spend a week talking about uh, elders and talking about leaders, I don't want to get. I don't want you to get lost in the mix. If you're one of those people that says, "Well, I'm probably not going to be an elder," I, I want to I, deeply, like a deep message to you. So what? So, like the the way we are called to represent God is not just as elders, as ministers, as deacons, but also as Christians, as leaders. In our community, not just, no, we're not leaders like, well, I'm a Christian, I guess I'm the mayor. You're like, you're leading everyone you run into to Jesus. You are, you are influencing everyone that you come into contact with for Jesus. I've said this before, but there's a lot of times I'm not paying. I'm a B-minus driver at best. I just, and all of us really need to do a good self-assessment on that one. We're... We all drive and act like we're A-plus drivers. Most of you aren't. I've gotten behind some of you. Most of you aren't A-plus drivers. We're all somewhere in the B and C range, and some of us are in the D range, and some of you are failing. But we're all, none of us are top-notch. None of us 
are the NASCAR drivers we think we are. But I'm a B minus. So sometimes I'm thinking about something else while I'm driving, which is fine because that's how the brain works. You can drive in beta. I don't know if you knew that. Okay. Um, what I said is true and funny, and nobody got it. So it's fine. I'm not, like, taking a hit on that one. But you can drive while thinking about something else. Your brain will take care of it, just like you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, now, you can't walk and text um, or text and drive. Um, you're not good at that. I don't care how good you think you are at it. You're not good at it. But there is a... Um, but I, sometimes I'm driving and I pull out in front of somebody and I think it's clear. And I pull out and I'll drive and then all of a sudden there's someone right on my tail. And I thought, oh no, did they? I need a sorry sign in my window. But when I pull out in front of them and I'm going to the church, where, which I most often am, that's the, most, that's the place I'm most often driving. I won't pull in here if they're still on my bumper. I don't want them to go, oh, that fool's going to the Church of Christ. Just keep on going. Go down. Go down to Buddy's. Hard left. Make another hard left and come back. You'll get here eventually. Just don't sully the good reputation of the drivers in our parking lot. Did that light just go off or did I lose an idea? Did it go off? Okay. So, I, you, and you are the same way. The, re, the way you interact with people at Walmart, with people at restaurants, with people just on the street walking um, here or there, driving, wherever, whoever you interact with, you are leading them to a certain place. You are overseeing their path. So all the things we talk about how we want leaders who are like Jesus, who follow Jesus, or we want leaders who are spirit-led, we're not just saying that about our elders, although they, we would say that that's what the qualifications for people that we want to be elders. But we are also saying that about ourselves. We want to be a community of people who lead the world to Jesus. We want to be a community of people who lead people into a deeper relationship with God. And so the, the prayer we've had for our leaders the past two weeks. Well, let me show this. Um, in, in, uh, next week, it's next week. We are going to uh, pass out some forms that look like this. And you are going to write down on them the people that you would nominate to be our elders. All of them. Like all the people that you think should be elders. That includes, and you'll see here at the bottom, uh, there is a, a little place that says, if you want the elders who are still elders to continue to be elders, you've got to write their names down too. Um, so, and, and like I said last week, just Eddie, Johnny, Todd, just write, you don't even have to write their last names. We know who you're talking about. Just write them down. Please, for the love of all that is good, write their names down. I, I love our eldership. I love the dynamic of our eldership. We just hired a guy with an eldership. We don't want to bring him in and say, hey, here's some different ones for you. I love our elders. I, so much so that if you just like make a stray mark that looks like an E, I'm counting it as Eddie's name. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I, I'm very...
serious about this. We, but we want to reaffirm these elders. We want to reaffirm. We want the church to say uh, unified. We, we think Todd and Eddie and Johnny are leading us in a healthy way. So write their names down. Um, and then also there's other men in this congregation that you maybe think could uh, lead us as elders. Write their names down too. You do not have to fill out all nine slots. But if you have 12 people in mind, you can write on the back. You crazy person. Okay. Yeah, it's down there at the bottom. Uh, okay. We, first off, want Christ-like leaders. On this list, we want Christ, people who follow Jesus. What does your person, what's the number one qu- priority? What's the number one qualification? Follow Jesus. Second qualification. We want spirit-led leaders. Now you say, okay, Benjamin, wait, 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 wait a second. We have a good verse that tells us the qualifications of elders. And it's in 1 Timothy. And why haven't you gotten there yet? Well, I'm, I'm there now. 1 Timothy 3. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, that word can be translated uh, bishop, elder, um, it's episcopal. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a fun little word. It means a lot of things. It essentially means... Someone who looks after the church. Uh, So whoever aspires to be someone who looks after the church uh, desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Okay, we're going to list these. We're going to go through these really quick. Above reproach just basically means that if someone says something awful about them in your presence, you're going to go, what? No, that's not true. You're going to doubt the negative that people will um, say. Like for me, if some of, some one of you said, yeah, your preacher was in here the other day and said something really strange, all of you are going to say, oh, yeah, that's probably true. But not we don't want that. So there, the overseer must be above reproach. The next qualification, the husband of one wife. Okay, this is typically where the record scratches and everyone just stops. It's like, okay, what does this mean? Does it mean that he's never been divorced or does it mean uh, does it mean that he, he doesn't have more than one wife, which was a problem back in that day? What does it mean? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it means. Does it mean, (laughs) oh goodness, my filter can't handle all of this right now. Okay, does it mean he's never been divorced or does it mean um, he can't have more than one wife? Um, I I don't know. And let me tell you why, because I don't think it cares. Um, I do think, if if you're going to give me a guess, I would say it's probably you just have one wife at a time. Um, culturally, that's the, that's the significance of, I mean, that, that would be the thing that they would talk about the most with this phrasing. So, um, a lot of Christians came to Christ late in their life, and their life prior was straight paganism. So, like, you, you come to Jesus in your 30s or 40s, there's a good chance you've been, you, you grew up in a country or in a county that had some sort of Christian ethic. And so even divorce was kind of shunned even 
like back in the 60s and 70s. They, there was a certain, like, I don't even want those people around me. Like that, that, so you grew up in a way that was like, oh, I, don't, I wouldn't get divorced. Well, sometimes you get divorced. But they grew up in a way that was like, well, she burnt my toast. Write her a certificate and get her out the door. The men saw women as, as property. They saw women as, some, as, as something to be had and dispersed of. So most of the men in the first century church, if they were converted after their 40s, there's a good shot that they came to Jesus having a divorce or several divorces in their past. That's just the fact. And so here, if he was wanting to address that, would probably have honed in on it just a little bit more. But the Greek here is simply one woman man. We want one woman woman man. We want a one woman man. Is this a... I think if we kind of get bogged down in this debate about whether it's this or that, is it... can, Can he... Can he have, if his wife left him? Sometimes I've seen men stop being elders because their wife died. Even worse, I've seen men tell other men that they need to stop being elders because their wife died. Those people are nuts. And we need to call it what it is. We do not need to legitimize that nonsense. We are looking for faithful husbands. That's it. Now, sometimes men who have been divorced aren't that faithful. But sometimes that divorce has taught them some things. And now at the current moment, they are a faithful husband. We are looking for faithful husbands. One of the things I tell a lot of uh, people in premarital counseling is uh, the ring on your finger tells people, I am a one woman kind of man and she is a one man kind of woman. What that means is we are faithful. So let's not jump into the minutia of an unsolvable problem. It really isn't. We we could argue about this all day long and we really wouldn't come to solution. There are three Greek words in that phrase and they're really, they can be vague. And one of them is one. It's not an intricate phrase to discuss. So what we're going to say here is we want faithful husbands. We want husbands who are um, seen as faithful. And this will make sense more as we go. Temperate. This means you think before you speak, essentially. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Oh, here's one. Here's one that hangs us up. Oh, man. We get crazy with this one. We think this verse says, able to teach a Bible class. We think this verse means able to stand up in front of a large group of people and teach. This just means able to instruct. How many people in this room have you never stood up in, have never stood up in front of us, but when you have sat down with them privately have taught you something? I don't think that we should confine this particular quality to the public setting. And I think it's kind of absurd that we have. I 
am not elder material. I'm not, I wouldn't, don't, I'm just, see? I have my own role. And I'm not, I wouldn't be great in that setting all the time because of, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, well, one, I'm really, really, really young. And two, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm not ready for that. That's not my thing. And also, ministers usually make horrible elders. One role or the other. I can stand up and teach. But man, I've sat down with some men in this congregation and they've just said, they've just listened and then spoken. And, they're, and they've taught me. That, that to me is what this is talking about. Can this person instruct somebody else? And can they do so temperately, honestly, gently? He goes on and has some uh, provisions, like don't do's. Not a drunkard. So, not a drunk, basically. I don't know why we say drunkard. It's the same word. Just take those last ards off. Not a drunkard. Not violent, but gentle. Now, they associated being drunk and violent with each other. So, the opposite of being a drunkard and being violent is being gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Uh, Okay. I think this one is obvious. I think it's just someone whose house is in order. And I would argue whether you have kids or not. A lot of people have taken this to mean you've got to have kids. I don't think that's true. I know some amazing people who don't have kids. And if that's the only thing ever keeping them from being a a leader in the church, if they are loving and they follow Jesus and they are spirit led and they are uh, and they are they are gentle and they teach and instruct people and they're kind and they're faithful to their spouse. And someone comes along and says, but they don't have kids. I, I feel like that someone isn't seeing things clearly. I think it's just absurd, frankly. For us to dive into these like they're, they're like a minutiae sort of checklist. And then also hold kids accountable, like grown kids, accountable to the parents. Well, your kids didn't obey you even when they were adults. Therefore, you need to step down. Isn't Okay, listen. If that's the qualification, then God failed. Like, 
God's first creation didn't stay obedient to him. I, th- I think we would do really well. And listen, we've got a lot of church, non-Church of Christ people here. Um, and you may even be confused by the whole elders thing too. And we'll talk about that next week. But I want you to know that because elders have meant a lot to us as a tradition, we have gotten into the most ridiculous fights over these sorts of things. About who's qualified and who's not qualified. But when what we're looking for is something that's very clear. It uh, reminds me of B.B. King. No, not B.B. King. B.B. King did not say this. Louis Armstrong said this. Louis Armstrong said, uh, one time someone asked him, hey, Louis, what's, what's jazz? And he said, man, if, I do, if you don't know, I can't tell you. That's a dead-on Louis Armstrong impression. He said, what's jazz? And he said, man, if you don't know, I can't tell you. It's one of those things where I, I can spot an elder in a crowd. And if you come, they're, they're usually people who are following Jesus, loving others, and being led by the Spirit. And if you come to me with minutia after that, I, I just I don't know what to say. Um, I got way too far out here. I got to back up. Without hurting myself. Okay, so, so how he manages his household is going to give some indication on how he uh, cares for God's church. He must not be a recent convert, or he may not, or he may become puffed up and con- with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. Okay, here's the problem with the way we understand this. We think they're quality, each having their own little square by them, and we check them off, and we say, make sure this guy's this thing, and this guy's this thing, and this guy's this thing. But the people who read this in the first century wouldn't have read it this way. They wouldn't have made it into a bullet list of one thing after after the other. They would have seen the clear clue as to what was the most important and how the whole sentence was structured because they all structured their sentences like these. Um, the last and the first comment. Above reproach and respected by outsiders. They're the same thing. And when you say the same thing at the first and the same thing at the end, in the first century, the way they wrote their stuff, they're telling you the primary, uh, the primary qualification of an elder is to be respected by outsiders and to be above reproach. Here's the, in, the middle section. Here's what that looks like. We need people who are above reproach, respected by outsiders. That means they're faithful to their wives. They're tempered. They're self-controlled, respectable. They're hospitable. They, they can teach you Something, not a drunk, they're not violent, but gentle. They manage their own household well. They have submissive children, uh, and, if not, and I would add if they have children, and they're not recent converts. 
That's what someone who's above reproach looks like. That's what someone who's respected by outsiders looks like. The overarching theme here is when you say someone is going to lead your church, they do not need to be someone who misrepresents your church. But I think that's the case in every situation. When you say, I get married and I'm going to go to that church or when I'm going to give my life to Jesus and I go to this church or I'm going to be a husband or a father or a wife or a mother, I'm going to be a daughter or a son within this church. I'm going to let my, my sonship, my fathership, my husbandship, my Christianity, my role as a minister, my role as an elder, my role as a deacon, my role as a member, they are all going to point to Jesus and not myself. We are all called to be above reproach. We are all called to be respected by outsiders. We are called to be the type of people that the world sees and they can't find faults in. That's why when we say, be good, we're not just saying it because God's going to get mad. We're saying be good because you are called to something else because you're not, you're not just a person that goes to church. You're a church full of people. You are, you are called to be individuals in the world, but as representatives of the church. And when you are called to lead the church, or when we add leaders to the church, it's even so much more important even then that the world can look at them and say, oh man, that is a fantastic person. If you're going to act like a nut at football games, do not wear your Mineral Springs shirt. We are, we are called to be different. Not because being different is the goal, but because being a church is the goal. And being a church means we represent God. And being a church means we represent the kingdom of God. And as we represent the kingdom of God, we are called to something so much higher. And you will know it when you see it. See, I, I, I don't think that we should take this list as like a checkmark list and say that that guy got divorced his wife left him 25 years ago and we're not we're not uh, we're not sure about him do you know him is he a good representative of the church is he above reproach is he respected by outsiders if he's above reproach and respected by outsiders there's a good chance he follows all of those things in between. He's faithful to his wife. He manages his household well. He's not a, I was going to say an angry drunk, but just a drunk in period, period and angry. I'm a friendly drunk. Can I be an elder? No. Let's stand and sing. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we are, we are called all as individuals to be different, to be held to a higher standard. And when we make those standards checklists, it becomes really easy to skip the hard ones that are hard to define. Because I've met a lot of men who wouldn't become elders because they don't have kids or because they're on their second marriage. 
But I haven't met a whole lot of men who someone said, well, they're not hospitable. It's, it's in the list just like the rest of them. They're not that gentle. They don't think before they speak. Those are harder to define, right? It's harder to say, see? So we just let those slide. And what, what, turn, what turns out is we have a group of men, sometimes not at this church, but sometimes the elderships and churches of Christ can become a group of men who are married on their, they're on their first marriage, whether it's a good marriage or not. They make their kids come to church, and they can teach a Bible class, and they own a business, which isn't in this list, but we make it one. Where's the kindness and gentleness coming from? Where's the hospitality coming from? And I can guarantee you a lot of times gentleness comes from people who have made mistakes and now know what it's like. For others to make mistakes. I, I think these are all important things. But I think we should think of them differently. And see them clearly for how they're structured. We are called. To be leaders in the end. Who love the church. More than we love our own way. Because when we're respected by outsiders. When we're above approach. That comes from a deep understanding that our actions affect the kingdom of God. How we live matters. And it just doesn't just matter because God has a list and he's checking it twice. It matters because God's kingdom is moving forward. And we are called to be a part of it and represent it well. And we want, we want leaders who love the church. So this week... Pray for yourself like this. I mean, this some maybe something you've got to work on. Maybe you're not putting the church first in your life. And I don't, when I say that, I don't mean you ain't coming. Your son has a baseball tournament. You leave him out there by himself on first base and you come sit in the pews. No, I don't mean that. What I mean is that you, while you are with your son at his baseball tournament or with your daughter at her softball tournament, you are representing the church there too. Because you love the church there. You love the kingdom of God there too. So pray for it about with your, when it comes to you. But also pray, pray for our church to find leaders who love the church. Christ-like leaders. Leaders who are led by the Spirit. And leaders who love the church. If you need anything this morning, um, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to start being led by the Spirit, if you want to join Jesus in his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, just like Lucas did last night, if you want to commit to Jesus, just like Drew and Laura committed to each other last night, it's the same thing, it's a ceremony, it's a covenant. If you want to express your faith in Jesus through the waters of baptism, if you want to be saved by Jesus, then today's the day to do that too. You want to start representing this church in your life, representing the kingdom of God. Please come forward while we stand and while we sing.